Whew, that was a nail biter. Yeah, every time. There he is. How's Hi. it going? How are you? Great. Oh my god, it's been a couple of weeks. Yes, it has. It has. How's your holiday season shaping up? Oh, you know, much like every other season lately. I did put up a Christmas tree, though. Yeah, I saw that on Insta just now. Oh, look at that. Exciting. Um, yeah, I was kind of like, eh, do I want to decorate a tree? But then I decided, sure. So I got a fake tree for the first time. Usually I get a live tree, or fresh tree, rather. Um, But I just decided I didn't want the mess this year. I didn't want to deal with the in and out and the carrying and the... Sure. All this stuff. So I so I Amazoned it to my door. That's a weird thing that I'm noticing about this year when everything external is essentially canceled and it's like, well, now you've got all the time in the world for home stuff. And, mm-hmm. But I'm still, I'm cutting corners on the home stuff. We don't want to do the traditional stuff. It feels right. either like this year didn't deserve it or it's, right. I don't know why, but there's this feeling of like, eh, let's ride this out. Let's see what, what, what can we cancel down to the minutia of our daily yeah i think that, that's gonna change that's gonna be a huge cultural shift i think that a lot of things will return to more to normal but i feel like those of us who went through this even in in 30 or 40 years will still be like oh yeah they were from covid yeah they were right COVID. like the people who lived through the great depression right i feel right. like this is my literal great depression and i just go to bed at like 8 30 every night because I mean, you always did, but I, yeah. I, I, I just, well, what am I going to turn on another movie? I've watched every movie that is on yeah. all that is on streaming. I've watched every one. <laughs> I've seen it all 10 times. So wow. I just go lay in my bed and I just scroll TikTok and yeah. laugh or stare. Mm-hmm. That's a really good algorithm. Like they get what you want to see. They get it really? real good. I have yeah, to say, I you know, like most curmudgeonly old people, I didn't know what it was, and I thought it sounded weird. And I don't have it, but I see like the cream of the crop that makes it to Twitter. Oh my and gosh! I, I do tend to always enjoy it. They are also, so funny. Women are way more funny than men on TikTok. Is that fair mm-hmm. to say? Oh, or for sure on Earth, maybe <laughs> because yeah. at least on social media, I've noticed that a lot this year. Yeah, it's true. Well, there's Dan's recommendation this TikTok. holiday season. Get it? TikTok, get up. Um, so I've, what I have to offer is Hillbilly Elegy and Mank today. What, what do you have? Oh, okay. I have one of those. I have Mank. I, I never quite got a, I forgot about Hillbilly Elegy. I don't, I don't know that I, it wasn't high on my list to begin with, but I would be happy to hear your yeah, take. Maybe you give, give it a chance. Um, I have more than that though. I don't have to talk about everything. Um, I have run. Mm-hmm. I yeah, have... I want to. I want to watch Run, but I'd be happy to hear your take before. Oh, okay, maybe we should hold it out because I think it'd be fun to to both have seen it. I have uh, Happiest Season, which I only watched half. Oh, of. Oh, yeah, just... I watched. I watched Happiest Season. I forgot just now, but I feel like it's it's like last time I had just seen half of Bad Hair, and I feel like that was <laughs> enough. I feel like I may have seen enough of of uh, Happiest Season. You I shouldn't saw, do that. I don't. You saw the good it. half of Bad Hair. Yeah. Um, and then what else? Oh, I watched the Zappa documentary, which I'll just pre- I'll briefly address that because I yeah you can go uh, ahead and do that. I won't yeah, watch that. Uh, um, and then what else? Yeah, Mank, and I feel like there was something else. Uh, oh, save yourselves! Exclamation point. 
What, what do we do? I mean, the big the big one everyone's talking about is Mank. Do we want to just let's talk about Mank? Just, Go just for Mank it. it. Yeah. All right. Um, Mank is a 2020 uh, drama film, his quasi cinema history film, directed by David Fincher, and of course starring Gary Oldman as uh, screenwriter Herman Mankiewicz. Amanda Seyfried is Marion Davies. Uh, Lily Collins plays Rita Alexander. And uh, Charles Doms. I'm trying to, yes, yes. He's, uh, he makes quite the impression. Uh, from Game of Thrones uh, and many, many, many other things. Playing William Randolph Hearst. This is David Fincher's film, uh, long, uh, long worked on, long planned on long evasive movie written by his father i believe jack fincher is his name yep um and finally produced finally made for netflix and this is a movie about the making of citizen kane it is a movie about herman mankiewicz who was a kind of journeyman uh screenwriter in hollywood he was all had been a renowned playwright he was uh, well-respected, but hadn't had maybe what would be considered a giant break in movies or a giant success. And uh, this is about his uh, experience working with Orson Welles to write the very, very famous screenplay for Citizen Kane, uh, which he was not intended to receive credit for. And this movie explores his life and his alcoholism and the politics of the day and Hollywood in the 30s and all of the elements that were swirling around and clashing to create the uh, storm out of which uh, Citizen Kane was born. And this is a movie that I think is aimed directly at someone like me. So while Citizen Kane itself is a famous classic movie trademark classic tcm movie that you can you know that film nerds love to talk about and there's all kinds of lore it's also just a movie that is a classic good movie and you could watch it without knowing anything and probably enjoy the story whereas mank is really a movie for uh film lovers and film nerds um i don't know i have really weird thoughts about this movie dan I thought that it was made excellently well. It is in black and white. It's got that Fincher technical precision. It's got great cinematography. It goes to great lengths uh, to recreate the feeling of a film that's made in the 30s or 40s. The Down to the film quality, the audio quality, the cinematography, the lighting. It, of course, has countless references visually and otherwise to Citizen Kane. But in the end, Dan, I felt, even though I enjoyed it, I, I got everything. That's the thing. If you turn this movie on and you don't know the lore of Citizen Kane, you are going to be very confused and probably very bored. I got it all. I was like, aha. I was like the Leo DiCaprio pointing at the TV in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meme. But I don't, I still am not quite sure why this movie exists and what was like, uh, why? It's, it's beautiful. The performances are incredible. Um, but I just don't know that this was a story that was demanding to be told. Yeah, I agree with you. I felt like there are a lot of great elements creatively and the story is not that compelling. I am not, uh, I I have seen Citizen Kane, but I, I'm sure I missed everything, you know, as far as all the references went, I had a hard time finding my way through the timeline because, you know, even as I read through the synopsis, I see that it was jumping back and forth years. And I could see, of course, sometimes when that happened. But I, I was not following the timeline of this. 
And I could sit in it and appreciate what I was looking at. And I, I enjoyed it. You know, overall, it's a, it's a good movie. I give it a recommend. At the same time, is Herman Mankiewicz like this great person or a character or a very interesting person? It seems like he's an alcoholic and a jerk. And did he really accomplish anything besides the screenplay for Citizen Kane? Like, right. is there any any moment that we're like, oh, yeah, he's a good guy or he's fighting for the right thing? No, he seems like he's just kind of like an agitator. And, and he's terrible to his wife and family. I just didn't. I, I just didn't like him as a person. I liked um, Oldman's performance. I thought it was very good. And um, Amanda Seyfried, she's getting a lot of buzz. I don't know that that's her best performance either. But at the same time, I felt like the movie came alive a little bit every time she'd walk back in. I felt like I was kind of perked up and enjoyed mm-hmm. it more. What did you think of the black and white? Because I have mixed thoughts about it. I don't know enough about black and white filmmaking to have much to say, but I felt like a lot of the dark was like too dark and I couldn't see a lot. And I felt like the, yeah. like the ceiling was low the whole time. Like, well, like I didn't get a good sense of space. Right. Well, the two things you just pointed out are very, very aggressively specific references to the cinematography of citizen Kane itself, okay. the famous deep focus and the very high contrast use of black and white. So this is a movie, you know, I have this thing with David Fincher where I am in awe of his skill as a director and he's made many movies that I love and I love watching even the movies that I don't love of his. Um, you know, like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo or something like that, which might be a lesser Fincher. It still looks beautiful and has all kinds of you know film. He's, he's such a precise filmmaker. And here he obviously decided, I want to shoot this movie like Citizen Kane was shot. Sure. Um, but again, I'm not sure why, because that was an artistic decision that was made apart from the work of Herman Mankiewicz. Mm-hmm. Right. And how does it relate to the experience of Herman? Maybe it would have been better to to make it more immersive and make me feel like that's what it was like to be alive in the 30s. Not this is what it look, feels like to look at the 30s or 40s through the lens of what Citizen Kane eventually became. So, yeah, I think it might be a, a bit of a misguided artistic I I see why he's one of those directors who gets cons, you know consumed by the technical aspects of his movies, right? And it doesn't have to look like Roma or Cold War or whatever more contemporary black and white um, films we might compare it to. But did it, did it have to look like that? Right. You know. And if you're going to such great pains to recreate the experience of watching down to the cigarette burns. I don't know if you noticed that it had real change markers up mm, in yeah, the corner. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but then why make it widescreen? Because Kane in films made at that time, there was no Academy flat or super wide, which I think is what this is filmed in um, two, three, five. So why not make it, why not go all the way and make it four, three? Um, maybe people still get confused by that, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, Again, I admire it. It was done really well. The cinematography is beautiful. The score is very good too. Yes, the score is great. The score is um, great. Written by Trent Reznor uh, and Atticus Finch. Um, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's a head scratcher. Like um, you eventually, I eventually figured out. I did not get it for like the first forty-five minutes of the movie. But every time it puts a screen, a screen types out a screen uh direction of an you know of a location on the screen is when we were in a flashback 
Oh. So, it, you know, whenever it cuts back to him in the quarantine where he's supposed to be working on the screenplay, mm-hmm. that's present. And then every time it types something up on the screen is when we're going back. But I, I, it took me a while to figure that out. Yeah, I never figured it out. And I also had read that the way it's made somehow doesn't work with Netflix own layout settings. Mm. That the stuff that I thought, huh, well, maybe I'd be interested to see this in a theater sometime or see it on some other platform that the way that, you know, it needs to be for Netflix or something. Right. Um, is not Fincher's full vision. Yeah. Interesting. It is interesting how Netflix took them so long to, to crack that, uh, original movie content, you know, uh, barrier. And then they did. And now, it's gotten to the point where super A-listers are making these big, important, quote, important movies for Netflix. But that that bubble's got to burst at some point. Yeah. And I feel like this is one, again, if you're not already steeped in this stuff and excited at, you know, the idea of what this movie is, a casual viewer clicking on this on Netflix is probably just going to be disinterested to, at the least. Right. I mean, the average Academy member is going to be disinterested by this. They're not Hollywood buffs. They just work in film. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't necessarily go to a lot of movies. They just make them. So the yeah. people who are who are Academy voters, I can't imagine this making it to the top of their screener pile. Did you recognize the actor playing Orson Welles? No. He was uh, the addict character from Souvenir. Oh. I didn't. Oh right, I never would right, have right, figured right. it out. But I looked him no, up. No, nor would I. He he did a, he did a good Orson Welles though. Yeah, I felt like that was like a good humanized non caricature performance. Yeah, that was one of the more um, successful aspects of the movie. I again, movies. This is such a thing of movies in the 21st century is the prequel and the you know the retrospective or whatever and the dramatizing of of recently living historical figures. Um, I kind of liked that aspect of this movie. I liked Louis B. Mayer and Hearst and Marion Davies. I, for some reason, like this movie, the screenplay does have a lot of like prequely things, or this is, this is where they got the idea of this in the movie or, you know, mm-hmm. at the end when Orson Welles throws the, the liquor crate right. and it's oh, an act of purging violence. That might be just what we need for the last act. And it's like, all right, great. That's exactly how it happened. Now I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That stuff loses me, but I did like the portrayal of, of characters, especially Wells. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, a very mixed bag for me, but it is, I, my reactions positive, if a little perplexed, I think people who are interested and know what's going on here will enjoy it. Yeah. It's a Shakespeare in love, but a little harder. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's that. Shall I, um, do you want to briefly hear about the Zappa documentary? Yes, I do. Yeah, I'm sure you really do. <laughs> I can tell how much you do. Uh, I actually contributed to the Kickstarter for this project many years ago now, six or seven years ago, I think. Alex Winter, best known as Bill from the Bill and Ted movies, but also an accomplished filmmaker in his own right. He's made several documentaries. He uh, had a, I guess he has an existing relationship with the Zappa estate and this Kickstarter that I contributed to was actually a project to digitize and restore the vast archives in the basement of the Zappa estate just to take, because Frank Zappa was um, an artist. He was a, uh, as this movie is quick to point out, he 
considered himself a 20th century composer, uh, but he did pop and rock music in order to finance his projects. Um, and so he documented everything that he did. And this was essentially a project to just get the archives digitized and find out what treasures were in there. And now many, many years later, the result is a uh, fairly definitive and very well-made documentary about the life of Frank Zappa. Uh, I am a bit of a Zappa head. He has hundreds and hundreds of albums, and I have maybe like 50 of them. Uh, but I don't really listen to them anymore. I've kind of outgrown it and find his stuff a little bit. Um, actually, I would compare the, the music of Frank Zappa to the films of, of David Fincher in that they are proficient and, and excellent, but a, sometimes a little bit cold on the inside, and I don't mm. always know how to relate to them. Anyway, but um, if anyone wanted to try and figure out who Frank Zappa was and get a nice encapsulation of him as an artist and a person, um, this movie is very, very good. It's very well done, and I'm not. it's not going to turn anybody into a Zappa fan, especially not of his music, which remains challenging and difficult and hard to and, – and an acquired taste, I suppose. But um, for such a long and chaotic career, I thought this film did a very, very good job of – editing it into a narrative so recommended great tell me about hillbilly elegy i probably won't see it um (laughs) so hillbilly elegy is of course based on the 2016 memoir by jd vance and i remember after the 2016 election suddenly everyone is buying hillbilly elegy to find out about this whole swath of americana that they don't understand and it's about the appalachian values of vance's kentucky family and their relation to the social problems of his hometown in Middleton, Ohio. So we have JD, right? Yeah. Looking at, just I'm looking at the wrong thing. Sorry. Give me one second. You're looking at Beverly Hillbillies, Dan. That's different. <laughs> Beverly Hillbillies. Anyway, so we've got JD, who is played by Gabriel Basso. And we have Amy Adams as his mother, Bev. And Glenn Close as his grandmother, Bonnie, Mama Vance, and Glenn Close is Amy Adams' mother. So we've got three generations here of hopelessness and despair. Uh, Amy Adams is a hopeless addict, and Glenn Close is tough as nails and wants the best for young JD and takes him in for a time and insists that he do well in school and find his way out of the milieu that is their life. Now, I was hoping to like this movie when I originally heard of it. It seemed like a great cast, and I was interested in seeing the story play out. You got Ron Howard directing the thing, right? And uh, the screenplay is by Vanessa Taylor. And then film Twitter absolutely hates it, kind of on principle, just as the right won't wear masks, film Twitter won't like Hillbilly Elegy, you know? And then I hear other people saying, like, no, that's not fair. And I think the truth is somewhere in between. It's somewhere between bad and not so bad, but certainly not good. It, it's it's one of those, you know, it begins with a voiceover of, like, yeah, when I we spend the summers in Kentucky with my family, these are my people. We take care of each other. You know, and I'm like, how are they your people? What What kind of people are they? How, what connection do you have to them? Your grandparents desperately moved, fled to Ohio years back to try to flee this place. And now your mom is a hopeless addict. And now he has an opportunity to go 
to a Ivy League school and to get a high-end internship and and not be recognized as being from there at all. What is this about for the author? Like that's like an elegy of his own self of what he has left behind. He feels like a a good-natured warmth toward it even though it offered him nothing. It offered him um a mother who was uh, an addict and abusive, um a grandmother who hey was particularly not great to live with, but at least she got you out of there. What What's the takeaway from this? And I think that's what most people who don't like it are struggling with is, did this help us get to know uh, a, a tribe of people, so to speak? I would say no. It, it just kind of plops us down there. And the lesson is get out as fast as you can. So yeah. Are you there still? Okay, Dan, hi. I think this is our best one ever. Oh, now you sound like you're on a telephone. Really? Yes. Sound great to me. You sounded fine when I was here before. Well, we'll see how your track downloads. You do sound tinny and distant. But uh, anyway, folks, yeah, (laughs) my computer died in the middle of Dan's uh, hillbilly elegy, elegy, and... um, I heard most of it, Dan. You want to wrap that up and then uh, anything else to say about it? You know, I pretty much said everything I needed to say. And then I kind of went, you know, and then there was a long silence. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, so that was all. And then another long silence. So you can include all that. All right. Um, Yeah, I'll be sure to. yeah, Yeah, basically, it's not as bad as Twitter would make you think. It's just fine. And also, why is it? Right. You know, it's like that. Yeah, that's what put me off. I mean, I'd like to think I'm not as heavily influenced by film Twitter as I probably am. But even when it was just a book, I was kind of part of that snobbish resistance. It just didn't interest me. Um, Well, you probably have more insight into it, into um, Trumpism, you know, even if it's not from Appalachia. Yeah. You know, that, no, we don't need to understand this group of folks to understand why Trump won. There are a lot of reasons. Right. People go for Trump. Also, I just, I'm a little suspicious of the insight provided by this kind of intellectual, successful book. You know, like, I'm not, it doesn't reek as authentic to me. No, it's not. So... And and then put Ron Howard there. I like Ron Howard. I think he's a good director. But for some reason, with this material, it sounded like a bad. It just sounded like a a, a a big swirl of inauthentic, uninteresting stuff to me. But and you're not recommending. Uh, I don't. I'm not hearing a recommendation here. So, I mean, I'm recommending it just as a hey, why not? Why not check it out? But it's not good. Yeah. It's not like you need to see this to be a part of what's going on in film this year. Right. All right. I think the only other thing then that we both saw, well, I again, I saw half of it, is a happiest season. Let's just um, put it let's just put it off. I feel right. over, I feel over this episode. Yeah, okay. And I <laughs> And so we got two in, that's great. And then next time I'll watch run and you can okay. <laughs> you probably won't finish up happiest season. But, uh, I, I may. Okay. Well, then you'll at least the have effort. the entire thing going on. Okay. Um, what else is coming up? Um, 
in the next week or so. I keep on seeing these things on Netflix, things I want to see, like uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottoms coming out. Right, um, yeah. Major buzz for Chadwick Boseman. On right. And, pe- and like people who I legit trust are also as enthusiastic as the, right. as the zeitgeist. Yeah. I'm losing, like, things are slippery to me because there's so many platforms and, you know, it's just without the theatrical... I mean, that's a whole other thing to talk about is what's happening with uh, with movies in general. But I'm losing my grip on, on you know, what there's buzz from all different directions and movies that feel like movies and movies that feel like TV movies. And, I know. I but know. then you're surprised which ones are good. And yeah. But all right. Uh, so we'll we will fight on another day and um, watch more movies. All right. Well, then I guess this at least gives us closure on this debacle and uh, let it go. We'll uh, see you next time. Thanks for listening. This has been our podcast. We're Dan and Josh. Uh, if I bother to put music on this, it will be by Jonah Rapino. <laughs> and uh, uh, we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Thank you.